This is your morning wake-up call on Sports Country. Grab a cup of coffee and hang with us every weekday morning for the latest news, sports, and other things going on around the world and in your backyard. Now, here's your host, Gene Gums. Well, things are a train wreck for the Boston Red Sox. You know, it it just continues to get worse and worse. As Alex Cora uh, pointed out after the game yesterday, uh, we're right back to where we were in April. And look, I know that this team has had a lot of injuries. There is, I mean, there's no question, you know, about the fact that, you know, with having guys uh, go down at the rate that they have. You know, the unlucky thing with Chris Sale when he breaks his finger after coming off the injured list. Um, you know, having Rafi Devers now on the injured list, Kike Hernandez is down, J.D. Martinez has missed the last few games. You know, look, I get it. That, you know, Trevor Story's hurt. I get it that that there has been a string of injuries. There is no question. However, let's 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 be real about where this Red Sox team is and where they should be. I said before the season that I thought this was a fourth-place team in the American League East. Now, I still thought they had a chance to make the playoffs because I felt that the American League East was so strong that all the wild-card teams could come out of the AL East. And I'll stand by that. I mean, I think it is still possible that the Red Sox could make the playoffs. But I'm also not sure if they should. You know, if you're the Red Sox, you know, and I know that sounds stupid, but, you know, are they doing themselves any favors by making the playoffs, you know? And and I know draft picks aren't as big a deal in Major League Baseball as they are in other sports. But, hell, at this point, with this Red Sox team the way it is, I – you know, I'm ready to just throw in the towel. You know, after the 28-5 to loss the other night, which I still just boggles my mind, I'm like, hey, you know what? Screw this. Let's sell. You know, you know, let's let's Native Aldi is 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 going to be gone anyway. Sell them. What the hell? Get rid of them. You know, where are we going? You're going nowhere. So sell him. You already got the young kids pitching in the damn games anyway, so you might as well just sell him, uh, get rid of him. If you decided you're not going to sell, uh, re-sign Xander Bogarts, trade him. Screw it. I mean, at this point, why not just be a seller? Why throw good money after bad? You know, is this season salvageable? You know, I don't know. I really don't know. And here's the problem. This team was flawed before the season started. And I I blame Heim Bloom for this. I'm sorry. But look, you know, I know that that, you know, he's got this, you know, mentality that he got with the, the Tampa Bay Rays about, 
you know, finding guys, you know, and young kids and, and having them all succeed. And, and somehow they found a way to do that in Tampa that they haven't been able to do here in Boston in the two and a half years he's been here. First thing he did when he got here was, you know, hey, let's, let's get rid of Mookie. We're screwing around with Xander Bogarts and Rafi Devers, guys that should be on this team until they retire. But instead, what we do is we go out and we trade Hunter Renfro, who had a hell of a year for the Red Sox last year. We trade Hunter Renfro to bring back a couple of prospects and Jackie Bradley Jr. And look, I love Jackie Bradley Jr. as an outfielder. But as a as a hitter, he's a train wreck. He's been a train wreck his entire career, with the, you know the exception of when he gets on a roll and for a couple of months he can he can tear the cover off the ball. He's hitting just over two hundred, and he's been in the God blessed lineup every day, every day. This is what we got. And I know Kike Hernandez is her, but let's also understand something. Kike Hernandez was great in the playoffs last year, wasn't he? And he had a good year last year, and a good year for him. I think he's hit, hit 255, something like that. Before Kike Hernandez got hurt, folks, he was hitting like 205. You brought in Trevor Story as your big name free agent. You spent a lot of money on him. Trevor Story, who traditionally in his career hits 230 away from Coors Field. 230. You bring him in because you think he's going to hit in Fenway like he hit in Coors. What's Trevor Story hitting, folks? Under 230. But this was your big free agent. You bought into what Bobby Dahlbeck did at the end of last year. I get that, okay? I mean, the way he hit the last few months of the season, you had to give him a chance. Bobby Dahlbeck, after an 0-4 yesterday, is hitting 206. Frenchy Cordero, who's not a first baseman, who's an outfielder, you brought him in to play some first base. Now he's playing, you know, and you got him in the outfield yesterday. He's hitting 220. The Red Sox have the worst first base production in Major League Baseball. And yet here we are on July the 25th, and we have done zero to correct that. And I'm not saying they should have rushed Christian Cassis to the major leagues. He's not ready. I, he belongs in AAA. But you've got to do better than Bobby Dahlbeck and Franchi Cordero and a combined 210 average at first base with no pop. You can't have that. And then you bring in 42-year-old Rich Hill to be in your rotation. You bring in Michael Walker, who, yeah, okay, he had a, a decent year with Tampa, but a guy who has basically stunk since 2017. And he was okay for a while, but he's hurt. You know, you're relying on James Paxton coming back. It's July 25th, folks. James Paxton's not back. And he's probably not coming back for, you know, another month. By then, the season's over. I know you were counting on Chris Sale. He gets hurt in spring training. Then he comes back, and, you know, he's snake bit. I get that. But Garrett Whitlock was a huge part of that bullpen last year. He was a big reason why the Red Sox got to the playoffs last year. Well, they decided they were going to put him in the rotation. And he was in the rotation. He was meh. He belongs in the bullpen. 
I was okay with, with, with putting him in the rotation to begin with, but then when you saw that this was what he was and he was better off in the bullpen, the problem is, is you had nowhere else to go. And where are we now? Brian Bayo, your top pitching prospect, who has just been batting practice since coming up. And I know he's a young kid, but look, he, what has he made now? Four starts and he's got an ERA at 10.5. Cutter Crawford, Josh Winkowski, Connor Seabold. Name after name after name of young kids that they keep bringing up, and it ain't getting it done. Winkowski's been okay. Crawford's been okay at times. But this is the Boston Red Sox. This isn't the damn Tampa Bay Rays where you bring in a bunch of minor leaguers and you're going to win with them. It doesn't happen in Boston. But this is what we got because we got uh, Woolworths as our general manager. We got the five-and-dime general manager running the Boston Red Sox. This roster was flawed from day one, and not a damn thing has been done to get it better. The bullpen, what a joke. And not for nothing, Bloom is responsible for that too. You gave all that money to Matt Barnes after his all-star uh, season. Why, did, why couldn't you have waited? Why did you have to give him that big extension in the middle of the year? Why couldn't you have waited? You know, what was the rush? A knee-jerk reaction, and then since you gave him that extension, he has been a train wreck. He's down in AAA trying to find his way back. And maybe he figures it out, but that's a that was supposed to be your closer. Yeah, he's gotten some saves, but he's a pack of Rolades every time he comes in because he can't control where that slider's going. You know, I'm, I'm just I'm tired. Supposed to be this great left-hander. He's got an ERA over four. Train wreck. Salamora. You know, he's got an ERA just over three, except that, you know, he pitches well in games that don't mean squat. You bring him in a game that means something, and he craps himself. Yesterday in a game where the Red Sox came back, they were down 5-1. to one. They make it 5-2. Looks like they maybe get a chance to stay in this game after a big double play to end the fourth inning. Salamora comes in and wets himself. And now it's 8-2. to two. This roster's a mess. It was a mess from day one. It's, it's Bloom's fault. And I want to say to Bloom, fix it. But at this point, I'm not sure you can. I'm not sure it's worth it. Because what are you going to do? Seriously. You know, there's people who say, well, let's get Josh Bell from, from uh, the Washington Nationals. You know, but at this point, it, is Josh Bell going to be the difference? Because last time I checked, Josh Bell can be your designated hitter or your first baseman. He can't fix your right fielder that's hitting 209. He can't fix, you know, uh, your center fielder, Jaron Duran, who's now hitting 250. You know, he, he's, you know, what are you going to do at this point? You know, you're not going to go out and fix that rotation. You got guys, if you told me before the season started that the rotation that they have right now was going to be the rotation, I would have said, we're not just a fourth-place team. We might be a fifth-place team. And it could still happen. Jesus, the Red Sox are a half a game ahead of the Baltimore Orioles. 
And I'm sorry, but, you know, there's nowhere else to go but to lay this on the feet of Bloom. I'm not saying Bloom should get fired, but maybe he should. But something's got to change. We can't have this. And I don't want to hear, and this is why, folks, by the way, that prospects are prospects. Right? Everybody was thrilled about Jeter Downs. And, oh, he had a great weekend in, in Yankee Stadium. Right? Had a great weekend in Yankee Stadium. Drove in a couple of runs. Hey, it was great. Jeter Downs is not ready. He's playing because this roster is a mess. Jeter Downs is hitting 139. He's not ready. You know, we got Jalen Davis, a reject from the San Francisco Giants on the roster now in the outfield. Rob Refsnyder's been a nice surprise, but, you know, Jaron Duran is the reason he's been in the minor leagues. You know, he came up and he was a house of fire, but he's not ready either. He hasn't been able to make the adjustments. The, the scouting reports have caught up to him, and he can't make the adjustments. I had a great conversation with Pete Abraham a month or so ago, uh, we met up uh, when the Red Sox were in Atlanta. And I asked him about Duran, and he said, look, you know, the, the, the Red Sox believe that Duran isn't able to make adjustments yet. And, and the only reason he's there now is because Kike Hernandez is hurt and nobody else is hitting, so what the hell do you have to lose? But that's where we're at. JBJ for some prospects. Again, they're prospects. Brian Bayo is supposed to be your best pitcher in the minor leagues. Oh, my God. Connor Seabold, who you got, you know, from the Phillies. He was supposed to be, you know, this great young prospect. Been awful. You know, the biggest surprise and the best, best pleasant surprise from this year has been John, uh, John Schreiber. In the bullpen. That's it. That's it. You know, Caleb Ort's supposed to be, you know, a great young reliever. He's been terrible. You know, and again, that's why they're prospects. And yet we traded Hunter Renfro to bring back a couple of prospects. Now, you know, maybe they'll be great. But the Red Sox, you know, they're trying to build up this farm system. Well, from early, early returns, as far as I'm concerned, ain't great. And I'm look, you know, and and I'm sure you know Bayo's better than he's pitching now. I get that. He's going to be better. He's going to figure it out. You know, Cutter Crawford's been better than I expected him to be. Josh Winkowski, been way better than I thought he was going to be. But these are still young kids, and they're still trying to figure it out. And they're still. You know, these aren't guys that should be at the top of your rotation. These are guys you put into the fourth and fifth slot, and whatever you get from them is a bonus. But right now at the top of our rotation, it's, you know, Nate Evaldi, who was a gas can the other day. It's just one after another after another, and, you know, we can't catch fly balls. I mean, are you kidding me? Jaron Duran, that that uh, that fly ball to shallow center field that ended up being an inside-the-park Grand slam? Are you kidding me? Can't catch a fly ball. Can't catch a pop-up. I mean, it's just, it's, I don't even know where to go with this. Other than somebody needs to be held accountable. And, you know, 
and it may not be that Heimblum needs to lose his job, but John Henry and and uh, you know Tom War, somebody better sit him down and say, "Look, son, this ain't going to fly in Boston." You better figure this out. When the biggest cheer of the day in Fenway Park is is uh, David Ortiz's Hall of Fame speech on the big board, you got a problem. And I loved the uh, the lead in the uh, Associated Press game story this morning about the Red Sox. This was classic. Let me read it to you. It said, the Boston fans who drove out to see David Ortiz inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame on Sunday earned an added bonus for their troubles. I said, well, that's nice. What was it? You know what it was? They didn't have to watch the Red Sox post another stinker against another American League East opponent. How about that? 0-11-1 against the American League East in series this year. This team, you know, everybody's, you know, the they have the month of June and everybody is, oh, my God, here we go. We're going to be the best wild card team. You know, we're going to be able to challenge the Yankees and the Houston Astros, and, and we're, we're going to be great. And I know that injuries were a part of it, but they had injuries back then. Kike Hernandez missed June. But this is just brutal. Since June 26th, the Red Sox can't get out of their own way. I'm trying to find it. I saw the uh, the record this morning since June 26th, and it's just uh, gross. You can't find it right now, but it's just it's just you know, look. You signed Trevor Story to a big name, a big contract. He's hitting. 220. He's a guy that traditionally hit 230 away from Colorado. You knew that going in. I, you know, the fact that somebody actually bought into this and said, hey, uh, don't worry, he'll he'll be just fine in Fenway. You know, and even when he was on that tear and he hit all those home runs in a two-week period, you know, it wasn't like he was hitting 300 when he was doing that, folks. You understand that. Oh, here it is. The Red Sox are 6-17 and 17 since June 26th. Six and seventeen. They're a five hundred team now. Another week like this, and they'll be selling everybody but me. But a decision needs to be made, and 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 John Henry and Tom Warner, and Sam Kennedy, they need to sit him down and say, "Look, this is where we need to go." And you need to make this happen. And it starts with we need to lock up Rafi Devers. We need to lock up. Xander Bogarts, or you decide that Xander Bogarts is not what you want and you're going to let him go and you're going to go after a free agent shortstop next year, understanding that you're going to probably, you know, have to pay through the nose. But Xander Bogarts has done everything that could be asked of him this year. Christ, he's hitting over 300. He's hitting, what, 313 after yesterday. He needs to be in a Red Sox uniform. Nobody represents the Red Sox better than Xander Bogarts. Class and talent. You need to sign him. You need to sign Rafi Devers. And then go from there. You know, it means 
you know, if it means that that uh, Nate Evaldi's gone, so be it. If it means J.D. Martinez is gone, so be it. I think he's good as gone anyway. Not that I wouldn't love to have J.D. Martinez there, but there's other options out there that you could get that could actually play the field. You know, uh, you know, uh, you know. The other guy I didn't even bring up when they let Hunter Renfro go, or where they traded him. You know, they didn't even really make an effort to sign Kyle Schwarber. You know, they could be so much better off with a better constructed roster. But the Red Sox sat on their asses and they watched guy after guy after guy sign with other teams and just said, "Nah, we'll be fine. We got enough young kids in our our system. We're going to be fine. Don't worry about it." And they're not fine. And I don't blame Alex Cora, by the way. And I thought about this for a while, and I was like, you know, I was in one of those after the 28-5 to game, fire everybody, including Alex Cora. But I can't blame Alex Cora for this. I mean, when he's running out to that mound time after time and putting in another reliever, he's got to be saying, well, it's all I got. You know, it ain't like I'm going out there and bringing in uh, Mariano Rivera or Goose Gossage. You know, I'm got, I got, I got what I got. It's not Alex Cora's fault. He did not design this roster. You know, I mean, so uh, I can't hold him accountable, but I can hold Hyam Bloom accountable, and I damn sure can hold Tom Warner and John Henry accountable when a team that's got the resources the Boston Red Sox have to be a 48-48 and 48 team and playing Larry, Moe, and Curley out on the mound day after day and having guys that can't catch a damn pop-up and can't catch a damn fly ball, it just it's not acceptable. This might fly just fine in Oakland. It ain't going to fly in Boston. And I, I, I have been, I don't want to say pleasantly surprised, but I have been shocked. That the Boston Globe, the guys that are the beat writers for the Boston Red Sox, they have been, I expected somebody to be having a meltdown. I mean, Dan Shaughnessy is Dan Shaughnessy, and he does that occasionally. But, you know, it's it seems like the Red Sox, maybe because of the start they had, and then they had that great Jew, maybe everybody's still kind of like, eh, you know, they could turn it around. And, and, and let's be fair, they are only three games out of the wild card. Right. The problem is now is that there's more teams to leapfrog to get in. Right. Right now, Toronto, Tampa, and Seattle are the top three wild card teams. Then Cleveland, then the Red Sox, and they're by the way tied with the White Sox. And then you have the Orioles only half a game behind. But Seattle's three games ahead of the Red Sox, and Seattle right now is the third wild card. There, I mean, when you when you if you look at it objectively, they're only five games out of the number one wild card. So it's not like the season's over, but you can't continue to go on like this. I mean, and if you think Rich Hill and Michael Walker coming back and Trevor Story coming back are going to be the difference, you're sadly mistaken. Look, Trevor Story's been great defensively as a second baseman. Just like Jackie Bradley Jr. has been great in center field or right field, wherever they put him out. But, Jesus, somebody's got to hit. We can't keep relying just on Rafi Devers, who's now on a DL, and Xander Bogarts and J.D. Martinez. Because that's pretty much what it's been. Christian Vasquez has, you know, picked it up. But by and large, it's like been three guys carrying his team. You know, and, and you know, with the with the, the cast of characters, you're running out there in the mound right now, and Nick Pavetta has hit a wall his last, you know, 
four or five starts have been brutal. But somebody's got to pull Bloom aside and say, fix this. Or if you're not willing to fix this, if you don't have the capacity to operate in any way other than the way the Tampa Bay Rays operated, then we need to find somebody else to run this team. Because this is just unacceptable. It's embarrassing. When I, you know, everybody knows, you know, how, how I, how I love my Red Sox. And when I'm getting text messages and messages on Facebook from tons of people saying, really dude, 28 to five, you know, and what's going on. And I mean, you know, and I'm like, ah. somebody's going to pay. And maybe we need to make the recognition that Hein Bloom's not the right guy for this job. Because I'm going to tell you what, you know, if everybody thought Hein Bloom was going to be the next Theo Epstein, guess again. I'm not sure this guy is right for the job. I'm not sure this guy. This guy's way too conservative and way too hung up on prospects and the minor leagues. Doesn't mean you can't still develop talent, but that can't be the base. Prospects are prospects. That doesn't mean they are guaranteed. There are damn few prospects, ladies and gentlemen, that are guaranteed to be stars. I'm not convinced Tristan Cassis, when he comes up, is going to be a star. Now, I hope he is. And everything we've seen in the minors and what we've seen when he played for USA Baseball leads you to believe that he is going to succeed. But it is no guarantee. And there's no guarantee that any of these guys that are supposed to be their pros- their, their best prospects are going to make. Look, Brian Bayo is supposed to be their best pitching prospect. And he has an ERA of 10 and a half. And it ain't been close. He's been, you know, he has like one inning every game where he just gives up a four or five spot. You know, and even yesterday, he could have given up a lot more if it weren't for a great double play that the Red Sox turned at the end of the fourth inning that I thought they had no chance to turn because um, uh, I'm trying to remember who it was that that grounded into it. I think it was, uh, I think it was Bichette, and he could run. And they somehow turned the double play on him. It could have been a lot worse. So, I'm not convinced that the Red Sox are on the right path. I'm not convinced Bloom's the right guy for this. All I know is I can't continue to watch the crap I've been watching. Now, I guess the, the positive thing is the Red Sox are now not playing an American League East opponent for the next four games. They've got, they've got the Cleveland Guardians, who, by the way, are right in the middle of things. They're a game ahead of the Red Sox in the wild card. Terry Francona, who is the best manager in baseball, bar none, I don't care what anybody says, has a team that had, you looked at this roster, you know, after the the trades that they had made, and you said, there's no way this team's going to compete. I thought they might, you know, be at the bottom of the AL Central, and here they are in wild card position. But the Red Sox have been great outside the American League East, so let's hope that continues, because otherwise, by the end of the week, if the Red Sox lose this series to Cleveland, the sale is on. Trade deadline is a week away. If they lose these first, let's say they lose the first two games to Cleveland, there's going to be some moves made. I guarantee it. Because it, it might just be time where you say, well, let's just take our medicine and move on. 
But this isn't this is not on Alex Cora. And I know there's people out there that don't like Alex Cora. And, you know, there are times that I think Alex Cora is a little bit too quick on the hook. But you can't blame Alex on this one. This is all on Heimbloom. And the fact that the Red Sox ownership allowed Heimbloom to run the Red Sox roster down into the ground so that you had no depth and you have no offense. That's only on one guy. 35 minutes past the hour. We've got to take a break. We're back in a minute. You're listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It's 37 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to the Wake Up Call. Here on a Monday morning, your cranky host, I'm Gene Gums. Thanks for joining us. Um, things have been a little busy down here on the Golden Pond Farms. Been uh, Our garden's been exploding. My wife and I have been spending a lot of time uh, picking picking vegetables. We've been canning stuff. We can salsa, sauce. Uh, just it's been uh, – made my own pickles. It's been just, uh, just nuts here the last uh, – the last few weeks, I've never had a garden do what uh, what it's been doing. But uh, uh, those of you that checked in and said, "Hey, you still okay?" It's just things have been so nuts. I haven't had a chance to uh, uh, to take a breath to get online. So, uh, uh, but I'm planning to be here for the week, and uh, so uh, so hope you'll hang in there with us. And hopefully, the Red Sox will allow me to calm down and uh, you know, keep my blood pressure down. Uh, the one thing that did help the blood pressure yesterday was uh, seeing David Ortiz get into the Hall of Fame. Great speech. Um, arguably the most impactful player in Red Sox history. And I don't, I don't think that's hyperbole. You know, this is a guy that won three World Series. I mean, Carter Stremski, great. Ted Williams, one of the all-time greats. But David Ortiz, 500 home runs and three World Series championships. By the way, he's one of only, I think, three or four players in the history of baseball to do that. Babe Ruth and Mickey Mantle are two of the other ones. So that's pretty good company to be in. Uh, and and what he did for the city of Boston after the Boston Marathon bombing, the speech that he made at Fenway Park, it was very short, but, you know, this is our effing city. Um, I, I You know, and what he did in the World Series when he, you know, hit a home run. There were two games. The games lasted so long that, that – uh, one game ended at like one o'clock in the morning or something, and uh, they had to start another one that night. And David Ortiz won both those games on the same day, on the same calendar date. Think about that, you know. Uh, but that's what David Ortiz has meant to Boston, and uh, it was great to see him go in yesterday. It was also great to see Jim Cott go in. I think way overdue. Cott pitched for twenty-five years. Uh, Tony Oliva got in. Minnie Minoso got in. Another guy that I thought should have been in a long time ago. Uh, Gil Hodges got in, uh, and Buck O'Neill, a uh, great Negro League player, never got in while he was alive. I think he died in 2015, and uh, when they were when they put the inaugural list of uh, Negro Leaguers into the Baseball Hall of Fame, Buck O'Neill was not included, and yet Buck O'Neill was a guy, even though he didn't get in, he was excited, you know, and uh, there was a great story. It was... Uh, I can't remember. It was, I think it was the president of the Baseball Hall of Fame or somebody like that. that uh, or Bob Kendrick, it might have been from the Negro League Hall of Fame, and was in the room and had to deliver the news to Buck O'Neill that he didn't get in. And he slammed his hand on the table in, in joy because so many of his other fellow players did. And even though he didn't get in, he wanted to be the one to speak to induct all these former Negro League players. And he did. Gave a great speech even though he was ill at the time. 
uh, but one of the greatest ambassadors, not just for the Negro Leagues, but for the, the game of baseball, period. Uh, so it was about time Buck O'Neill got in. So that was that was fun to watch as well. Uh, but yeah, I still I still uh, one of my I, I wish I probably should frame that the you know the the Red Sox fans that went to see Ortiz get in got a gift by not having to watch another stinker. <laughs> it was great. Um, Yankees win again. Aaron Judge his thirty seventh home run of the season. Uh, he is on pace, folks, to uh, break the Yankee single season record for home runs in a season, which of course is owned by Roger Maris. Uh, when he hit 61 back in 1961. Uh, and not only that, uh, he's now hitting 294. He leads the major leagues with 81 runs batted in. Uh, unless he completely falls off the face of the earth between now and the end of the season, he will be uh, your American League most valuable player. I mean, he's just, you know. And just think about how, you know, we talk about what the Red Sox are going to have to pay uh, Bogarts or Devers to keep them in a Red Sox uniform. Just think about how much money the Yankees are going to have to pay to keep Aaron Judge. Judge turned down almost 30 mil a year prior to the season, betting on himself that he was going to stay healthy and he was going to put up big numbers. Uh, if you're Hal Steinbrenner, you better go find yourself a Brinks truck because it it's going to it's probably going to cost you more money than Mike Trout is making. And I think his average annual value, I want to say, is what, $34, $35 million a year over, you know, some uh, 12 years or something. That's what it's going to take to keep Aaron Judge. And it might take more than that. But he's been staying healthy, and uh, uh, they beat the Orioles yesterday 6 nothing. I mean, that's you know, I guess that's the good news for the Red Sox. If the Orioles win yesterday and the Red Sox, you know, finished off that loss, the Red Sox would be behind the Orioles. Which would, which, which is just mind-boggling when you think about it. What the Orioles have done is is great, um, but and then Nestor Cortez six scoreless innings picked up his uh, eighth win of the season. A guy who was an All-Star for the Yankees, Jose Trevino. You know when they let uh, Gary Sanchez go to Minnesota, you know, and they were like, okay, so now we've got a hole. You know, a catcher, who's who's it going to be? Jose Trevino was not the guy a lot of people thought was going to be their number one catcher. Everybody thought Kyle Higashioka would take the job because, you know, good defensive guy. But he can't hit a lick. He's hitting like 170. Well, Jose Trevino made the all-star team and then went four for four yesterday. He's hitting 264. Uh, so the Yankees uh, now sit at 66 and 31. It is the tenth time in franchise history, and again, you know, you know how much how, I, how much I detest the Yankees. But man, I tell you what, you know, the tenth time in their history that they have done that, and you know, this is why when I rail on the Boston Red Sox and say, you know, what's going on there, and the roster as it's constructed, and the the embarrassing play that they have been putting out there, why it's not acceptable is when you look at a franchise like the Yankees, as much as I hate them when you, and so many people do it. The Yankees are one of those franchises. You either love them or you hate them. When you look at what the Yankees have done in their history and they're a team with a lot, they have, you know, the Red Sox have just as many resources as the New York Yankees have to see what the Yankees have been able to do. And then to look at what the Red Sox have done and, or what they didn't do in the offseason. You know, the Yankees, 
you know, had their core of players, but then they brought in guys, you know, like bringing in Anthony Rizzo at the trade deadline last year, making sure that you keep him in uniform. What they did, Matt Carpenter, he's been unbelievable. He's hitting 323. He's hitting home runs like crazy. And this is a guy that nobody wanted. He contacted every team in Major League Baseball. The only team that got back to him was the Yankees, and that's why he's there. He's hitting 323 with a 1270 OPS. You know, and, you know, making the trade for Isaiah Kainafaleva, bringing him in. You know, and people are like, oh, you know, what? Look, he's hitting 272 and he's playing outstanding defense. You know, you look at what the Yankees did in the offseason, bringing in Josh Donaldson. You know, this, they were smart. You know, the only the only not smart move probably was Joey Gallo. <laughs> Joey Gallo is hitting 162. He makes Jackie Bradley look like Babe Ruth. Uh, you know, but, you know, outside of that, though, you know, the Yankees have been solid, you know, and, and they spend money and they just right now look like they are better evaluators of talent than Bloom and the front office at the Boston Red Sox. And it's embarrassing. Uh, the Yankees are off today. They start a two game uh, subway series with the New York Mets, which will be a lot of fun starting on Tuesday uh, and now the Orioles will go to play the Tampa Bay Rays. Um, Orioles, look, the, the Orioles are uh, way better. Right now, I'm not going to say the Orioles are a better team than the Red Sox, but, boy, they're playing better baseball right now. There's no question about that. They go to play the Rays, and uh, I, I don't know. If you're the Red Sox, I don't know You know what the hell you want to happen. I mean, I guess you want the Rays to lose because they're the heady in the standings, but then again, the way the Red Sox are playing, the Orioles will pass them. It's just it's crazy. Uh, the Rays lose yesterday. They lose to the Kansas City Royals 4-2. to The Royals actually win the series against the Rays. It's the first time in five years that Kansas City has taken a series from the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, Chris Bubich yesterday, seven strong innings, and uh, they win 4-2. to And uh, Hunter Dozier and uh, MJ Melendez with a couple of big RBIs late in this one. Uh, to give the Orioles the win for Bubich. It's only his second win of the season. Uh, lowered his ERA to 5.53. Uh, so a, a a good win for the Kansas City Royals yesterday, a team that right now is sitting uh, in last place along with the Detroit Tigers in the AL Central. Uh, and uh, the Red Sox got some more help yesterday. The Houston Astros beat the Seattle Mariners. The Seattle Mariners had won 14 in a row. Until the Houston Astros came to town, the Astros sweep all three games. They win yesterday, eight to five. Framber Valdez picks up his ninth win of the season. Ryan Presley, his twentieth save. Robbie Ray, who is the reigning AL Cy Young Award winner, gave up ten hits and six runs in three innings. Uh, so the Houston Astros, who have no fear of the New York Yankees, we know that they swept a doubleheader from the Yankees right after the All Star break. Right now, Houston is sixty-four and thirty-two. They are playing 667 ball. The Yankees are at 680. So, uh, you know, these are two teams that are on a collision course uh, for the ALCS. And it's going to be a dandy, and the Astros just don't care. You know, uh, they got a great start for them yesterday. Jose Altuve and Jeremy Pena lead off with back-to-back home runs off of Ray in the first inning. Game over. Houston wins that one 8-5. to five. It is 48 minutes past the hour. We're going to take one more break. We're back in a minute. You're listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country. 
It is 50 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to the Wake Up Call. Got a few minutes left this morning. Uh, the Mets win last night. They beat the Padres 8-5. to This was a scoreless game going into the uh, sixth inning until uh, Pete Alonso hit a, uh, a solo home run, uh, excuse me, a, uh, uh, a two-run home run, and the Mets end up exploding, and they end up beating the San Diego Padres 8-5. to uh, The homer came off of Joe Musgrove, who had been great. Um, San Diego actually took the lead in the top of the sixth inning, and uh, then Alonzo with the home run, and they kind of added on uh, to the bullpen. Joe Musgrove has struggled a little bit. I think he his last three starts – um, uh, he has been uh, a little rough. San Diego still wins the series. They won the first two games of the series. Hugh Darvish and Blake Snell pitched well, and uh, with uh, uh, they hadn't trailed in 25 innings until Alonzo's home run in the sixth inning. Um, it was the 25th home run of the season for Pete Alonzo. Carlos Carrasco six uh, hits over five scoreless innings at, on a, a really brutal night uh, in New York. It was even at night. After it was like you know 7:30 start, it was still 90 degrees in New York City, uh, and he managed to get through five before he ran out of gas. Uh, the Padres now will uh, have a uh, series starting against the Detroit Tigers. They're looking forward to that, I'm sure. And then Taiwan Walker is going to take the hill against Jordan Montgomery on Tuesday in the start of that Subway series uh, with the New York Yankees. Uh, the Braves lose yesterday, so they are now a game and a half behind the Mets. In the AL East, they were just a half a game before the night started, but uh, they lost to the lowly uh, Anaheim Angels, 9-1. to one. Uh, Reed Detmers did a great job, five scoreless innings, and the Braves lose 9-1. to one. Uh, So they are now 58-39. and 39. They have played two more games, uh, than, or one more game than the uh, New York Mets, so that's the game-and-a-half difference. And uh, the, But they have still won six of the last ten. Uh, the win in this one goes to Drew Smith out of the bullpen. Uh, and then uh, Edwin Diaz picks up his 21st save of the season. Musgrove falls to 8-3 and three on the year. Still has a 2-6-3 ERA despite giving up four runs in five and a third innings uh, in that one. The Angels uh, have a three-game series starting with uh, Kansas City today. And then the Braves... Uh, a three-game series at Philadelphia starting tonight. Max Freed, with his 10-3 and record and a 2.64 ERA, will take on Ranger Suarez, who has pitched pretty well for the Phillies. He's 7-4 and with an ERA of just over 4. Uh, the White Sox win yesterday. They end up splitting the four-game series with the Cleveland Guardians. Uh, they win yesterday 6-3. to So uh, Tony, Tony La Russa's crowd is uh, back to the 500 mark. Tony, who looked like they were, uh, like I said earlier, if, if, he had, if he hadn't been a Hall of Famer, he would have gotten fired. But the uh, White Sox have now won seven of the last ten. Uh, they have themselves back to 500. They're in a tie with the Red Sox, uh, a couple of games behind Seattle for that final wild card spot. Dylan Cease, uh, six innings yesterday, pitched pretty well. Uh, had to work in and out of some trouble. Uh, but uh, Cease, who did not make the All-Star game, said he has... He said, look, I just want to get the team into the playoffs. He said, and, you know, I have a little bit of a chip on my shoulder because I didn't make the all-star team, but I'm going to use whatever I can. Um, but uh, home runs by Lurie Garcia, A.J. Pollock, uh, and Eloy Jimenez, the difference in this one as the White Sox. Uh, when the uh, Dodgers come back to beat the San Francisco Giants, they sweep the series from the Giants. They win yesterday 7-4. to four. Uh, Clayton Kershaw got the start, was not very good, but a great job by the bullpen. 
uh, four and two-thirds shutout innings. They only allowed two hits. Craig Kimbrell picks up his 17th save of the season. Alex Cobb got the start uh, for San Francisco, gave up four runs in five and two-thirds. Uh, but their bullpen uh, was uh, the exact opposite. Uh, they gave up three runs and four hits, and that was the difference in this one. So the Dodgers now sitting with an 11-and-a-half game lead. That's that's just like the, uh, the Yankees in the AL East. The Dodgers have got that one. The Dodgers have won eight in a row, nine of the last ten. And uh, yesterday the Cincinnati Reds, the last place team in the NL Central, beat the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, 50, uh, 51, 6-3. A uh, couple of home runs in this one for Paul Goldschmidt. Those were the only two hits uh, that Tyler Molly gave up in this game. Molly was coming off the uh, disabled list, uh, gave up three runs and two hits uh, in six innings, but both the hits were left the ballpark by Paul Goldschmidt. Uh, Hunter Strickland picked up his fifth save of the season. Miles My- Michaelis took the loss uh, for the Cardinals. The uh, the kind of the controversy out of St. Louis, though, they're heading to Toronto to play a series, and two of their best players will not be in the lineup. Paul Goldschmidt, who is right now probably the leader in the clubhouse for NL MVP, hitting 335, and Nolan Arenado, the Gold Glove All Star third baseman, neither one of them will be heading to Toronto. Why? Because neither of them are vaccinated. So two more people to add to the bullet head list of Major League Baseball players. You know, Red Sox have a couple of them, and they're just, I mean, honest to God. But for the St. Louis Cardinals, who are in the middle of a fight trying to get into the wild card, uh, they and actually they're fighting for the division lead. They're only two and a half games behind the Milwaukee Brewers, and they're, right now they're in wild card position. But right now they're going to play a two-game series in Toronto without two of their best players. So best of luck to them. And I hope they get booed every time they play in St. Louis if they lose both games. Uh, a little controversy in NASCAR yesterday. Uh, the race in Pocono. Denny Hamlin won the race. Kyle Busch finished second. And then after a post-race inspection, they were both disqualified. So Chase Elliott, who never led a lap the entire race, is declared the winner. And Denny Hamlin, who would have had his seventh career win at Pocono, uh, gets it taken away. It is the first time that NASCAR has disqualified a winner since all the way back in 19. 19- 1960, 1960. So it's been a long time. And Bush and Denny Hamlin are teammates for Joe Gibbs Racing, and they both had the same problem. They did something with the nose cone that affected the aerodynamics that was against the rules, and they've both been disqualified. So (laughs) got to love it. That's going to do it for us here this morning. We'll be back tomorrow with another edition of the Wake Up Call. Hopefully the Red Sox will get things turned around tonight, and I'll be a lot happier tomorrow, but we'll see. We'll leave you this morning with... Little Willie Nelson, Snoop Dogg, Chris Christopherson, roll me up and smoke me when I die. We'll see you tomorrow. You've been listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country.